podcast. Welcome to the Queer Arabs podcast. This is Alia. And Ellie. And we are the Queer Arabs. I am Saudi and a lesbian. And I am bi, trans, Lebanese, and in love with my girlfriend. And awesome. Yes. So we have an amazing guest today named Nashaba Patel. Hey, Nashaba. Hi. How are you doing? Good. How are y'all? They just fed me amazing, amazing food. I had tabbouleh and hummus and uh, great pita bread and satar. Oh my god, and satar with olive oil and ice cream. (laughs) Yeah, and some pretty decent Apparently, Oh, and some hummus and Algerian string cheese? No, Armenian. Armenian. I don't know why I said Algerian. Well, Uh, Armenian string cheese. Which is amazing. Freaking spiced Armenian string cheese is so addictive. So ten things. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> ten things. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. must eat exactly ten things in in our apartment. Yes. That's the rule. Hey, I'm Very... making my Lebanese grandmother practice in early. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're getting a head start. Yep. Oh, no, 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 I'm so ready to be old. <laughs> oh my god. Cool. Cherish these don't speed up your don't want to speed up your life. I'm not speeding up. I'm just, you know, prepared. Okay, anyway, so Nashaba. <laughs> Nashaba, can you tell everyone about your background, like where you grew up, etc.? Yeah, so I was born in Karachi, Pakistan, which is the southern tip of Pakistan, um, in kind of like, um, not really the slums, but like close to it, so like lower income, which kind of matters in terms of cultural exposure. Um, and I lived there till I was about 10. I was supposed to move to not about 10 i was 10 um and i was supposed to move to the u.s in actually september 12th 2001 which did not happen um obviously and then moved in october um lived in a small town in florida with like no diversity moved to houston wow. yeah we were like we need wow, we need like? our people um, oh my god was it, like? it was bizarre so um, my last name used to be Ali and Uh like all the kids kept asking me if I was related to Muhammad Ali like I'm not even kidding like they just had no exposure to anything like there was all this stuff about your scalp is different and your clothing is different there was something I don't know um yeah it was weird wow I did not like it um and yeah so we moved to Houston, which was a lot better because it was like immigrant city. And um, then went away for college and then came back after two years, transferred, and then went away and went to New York City for two years. And yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um, Random places. Oh my God. So September 12th, 2001, you were supposed to move. Yeah. Oh my God, that's wild. I think that was like the first time that um, looking at the news, yeah. um, my uncle was like, oh, you're not going tomorrow. But like he was always trolling me anyway. So I didn't really believe him. Yeah. And I'm like seeing the the towers in the background of the TV screen. But the news wow. had never like mattered in my life, right? Because right. um, yeah. Pakistani culture is so much about the news all the time. So I was like, well, why would it matter to me? And yeah. it definitely did. Kind of changed my life forever a little bit. Yeah. So what are you doing these days? What am I doing these days? So I work at the Mantra Center now, and I, uh, which is the LGBT community center here in the South. I get to do a lot of 
career and trans programming. I work specifically or center a lot of my work around LGBTQ uh, women and um, anyone trans and non-binary, specifically focusing on uh, people of color, people, religious minorities, uh, people speak um, languages outside of English, right, and people from many different backgrounds, yeah. and trying to create inclusive spaces where people can bring their whole selves. Yeah. What are some of the programs you've worked on specifically within so, the Montreal Center? So I work specifically with LHI Houston and with the Sisters. So Sisters yeah. serves LGBTQ plus women um, mm -hmm. and non-binary folks with chronic illnesses and disabilities mm -hmm. and providing financial support and case management and care teams kind of for like uh, combating a lot of the loneliness that you see in that, in that niche population. And then LHI works with advocating for um, health for queer women and trans folks in uh, by putting a lot of advocacy education and access, or like via advocacy education and access. So I get to do really amazing things with it. I do healthy sexuality Shala's, workshops. Shala is so amazing. Yeah. Like, people, I love that. You um, have no idea. Like, <laughs> seriously. Thank you. So how would you say growing up in Pakistan shaped your identity within the queer and like I guess the queer queer realm so I think what was really exciting about uh being raised in Pakistan is and people don't talk a lot about this but or maybe this was my experience at least was gender roles were not that binary right and so it was basically like whatever clothes were there right um and so i switched from extremes of very masculine presentation to very feminine presentation without really anyone batting an eye and um i didn't grow up with barbies i loved like toy cars and uh playing with balls and just uh playing with all the boys right i was on the cricket team and these like in the US or at least like now I'm like wow these are what in America are traditionally masculine things right whereas in Pakistan like no one I don't remember anyone having an issue with it like oh. I just had very extreme gender fluctuations in my fashion daily and I had yeah. just always been someone who liked like like extremes of fashion in all different ways and people didn't yeah. care and I think a part of it and, and it it's a positive and a negative right in that my dad really wanted a son right and then um, well just culture of misogyny whatever but also just in general and so um and so he kind of raised me as a son in that way and it was um and that worked really well with who I was right um and I think I started to get like more pushback in terms of gender binary roles here in the U.S. but I didn't as much there and so like now as I come more or like begin to embody my gender queerness a little mm -hmm. bit more um it's much easier because i'm like oh i'm just basically returning back to who i was in pakistan as the kid right wow. and i appreciate that very much um cool. in terms of uh, queer sexuality like it see that's the it's the very that's a strange question in that um mm -hmm. it's like the first step in there is like not just queer sexuality but like sexuality in general right that yeah. part is almost completely erased from society right and right. so for me 
like anytime there is a coming out conversation, like my first thing is actually coming out as a sexual person has been the biggest hurdle, right? Like coming out yeah. as someone who dates um, mostly women or like men and women, way easier than like, hey, I'm actually attracted to humans, right? Like, and, and so that, exploring that in Pakistan, like there, there was just no exposure of sexuality like at all, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, that, that's really interesting about the gender. The gender roles weren't so set in stone. Yeah. In Pakistan, that's and how you express your gender. That's At least really for me, cool. In my yeah. experience, it wasn't. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah. But you weren't exactly taking comparative gender studies at that point. No. Exactly. Right. And I, like, yeah, but it was it was just like growing up and how you. And how people express it. And it may connect to, I was young, right? Like I was 10. And so I don't know when I left. So I don't know how that would have been as maybe if I went into puberty or like afterwards, right? And what that expectation or whether that was a drastic change. I know that like for my parents, um, it was kind of this like really funny counterintuitive thing where they like let me do whatever I wanted in terms of my gender expression. And then... um, I think at some point when I was like marriageable age by Pakistani community standards, it was like, oh, you're going to become a woman now, right? And like, mm-hmm. and I was like, but I never learned how to cook properly or do any of the like very feminine things, like womanly things in any way. Yeah. And like, it's not like a, a switch, but I think they just expected that that's what would happen. Yeah. Like, but I, you know, I don't know how to do that. Like, I've your, never been that. It's like your, your boots like, and, your, and your cookbook. That's it, right? Like yeah. all in one day. And I'm like, but... That's right. not who I. That's not how I function as a human. Yeah. Right. So that was. Did your parents weird. or anyone in your family actually have that conversation with you about marriage? Arranged marriage. At any point? Yeah. No, like all the time. Yeah. Like that's my dad. I think not even like my dad actually still. I think hopes that that would be a thing. Like arranged yeah. marriage has been a thing, in my life since I was like nineteen twenty. Right. Okay. Maybe not nineteen. Yeah. But like early twenties for sure. Yeah. Um, and like just this consistent conversation and it, and it's this like weird thing of like oh well I'm getting my education so that was like a, a way I could push back and I think there was mm-hmm. at some point it's like okay I have to continue my education or else right I might have to say yes yeah, so this is a good excuse yeah uh, and yeah, it took a lot of self-advocacy and a lot of fighting to yeah. break away from that and being like the first person almost like in generations, of course, and also like mostly in my extended family, to yeah. be able to do that. So, yeah, uh, yeah. When I first really started getting to know my father's side, uh, the Saudi side, when I was sixteen, that was like one of the first topics brought up. Fun. Like, Want to talk about the bouquet? <laughs> uh, not really. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't want to go. <laughs> well, okay, I got a bouquet of flowers from someone specifically trying to court me yeah within the family we're not going to get too into it because i don't want to get into incest talk too much on this but your mom (laughs) if i remember if i remember correctly your mom did like but my mom like put a hard stop to that as soon as she saw what was going on and talk about fierce moms though like my mom has been that advocate for me so like finally because i would just like also talking about like feminism right or um or, i don't know pakistani culture in general this i 
the emphasis for me at least has had been on education and, and on being a good person and not so much on um, being this perfect wife and like I'm really lucky in that regard right and and, awesome. and also like being in community where that is valued and so yeah so I would get like proposals from all these people or all these different families because it was because my resume was good right or like or they saw that I volunteered a lot or I was like this obedient good daughter yeah. um, and after some point like my mom just like would not share them with me and just like say no on my behalf and I really appreciated that Aww. like oh, wow. yeah that has been like the best thing and like especially after I came out to her it's like that's gotten even better and I love that yeah. so much so yeah my mom is <sighs> awesome so no. you didn't have your mom like leaning on you so grandkids oh God, no, I am so, so incredibly lucky. People have that pressure and like, Yo. that's that's not a thing that's happening. I, <laughs> Go mom. Yeah, yeah no, that I am oh, so extremely moms. lucky about that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I know a lot uh, of friends go through that pressure a lot. And, and like the really manipulative part. And I think it's also because my grandparents died really early. Yeah. Right? Like my parents were orphans at very young ages, and it, which is really really tragic. Yeah. But I think that like for a lot of my friends, like from South Asian backgrounds, there is this pressure of like, oh, your grandparent is going to die, and like right. give them the blessing of a grandkid, and which is such ridiculous bullshit manipulation. Like I really, and so I think that my parents don't have that ploy. Maybe so good. Yeah, know. that yeah. is guilt to the max. Yeah. Like not fair. Unfair guilt. Or maybe they just didn't have the pressure themselves, so they didn't feel the need to pass it on. Hmm. Maybe that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Huh, that could be a thing. I'm gonna think yeah. about so that. So you've had that pressure? Uh, it's when I when I came out, uh, my mom was not happy, and when she got over, sort of, kind of got over the idea of just me being trans. Then she was like, "What? What about? But grandchildren?" It's like, yeah, it wasn't pretty. But I love yeah. you, Mom. Uh, if you ever just, listen to this, Ellie's mom, yeah. we love you. We love you, Mom. We appreciate everything you do. Yeah. We sorry haven't told the... our moms about this podcast yet. Yeah. Okay. But, but uh, yeah. sorry about the lack of grandchildren. If you ever listen to this. We're sorry. Once we finally tell you about this podcast. <laughs> so, <sorry>. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, yeah, like. So you talked about a little bit about, you know, the positives of coming up, growing up in uh, Pakistan and what other positives have come with it, like being brought up in the culture. So many, actually. I think um, in the U.S. there's a lot of fear of like family rejecting you or like disowning you or making you like kicking you out and things like that. Um, that was never a fear that I had. That was never like my parents were going to kick me out. It was like my parents are going to, I, I don't know. Like coming out was like the hardest thing. But, um, but never in there was I like, oh, I'm going to be homeless in like the middle of the night or like be kicked out and not be supported in any way. I was like, no. My, I was like very adamant too. If I was before when I was having conversations with friends and things, of like, no, they're just gonna have to get over it. Like that's just it. Like that part I could trust, right? Like they might try to force me to be different ways, and they might try to convince me or like have conversations ad nauseum about things or just say terrible comments, whatnot. But they, they're not gonna end their relationship with me. Like in Pakistan, like family is everything. You don't 
the, the ties don't break that easily. And I think mm-hmm. that that community aspect of Pakistani culture um, is a huge blessing for me. And the, mm-hmm. the belonging that I get from that, um, I'm very mm-hmm. grateful for. Oh, and the awesome. colors and the vibrancy and the food and the, the everything, the joy, that the, the yeah. very the exuberance and the presence, right? Like, it, it feels a little bit muted in not, I don't know, mm-hmm. yeah. in American culture. Not to say American culture is muted, but like in, yeah. at least in that regard, that positive of excitement of life. Yeah, and I, I don't... Um, and the parts of India I've been to, that was the main thing I noticed, was the color. Yeah. Color everywhere, like, so vibrant, everything. There's a joy so, to it, yeah. So yeah. I, I take a lot of pride in that. Yeah. And it, it, like, bleeds through in my fashion and in my it expression does, yeah. and, and my excitement for life the and Shabbos communication. The style is absolutely stunning, like, just so creative and unique. Yeah. And it's I love her haircut. Are, are we going to be posting a photo? We can, you can totally do but that yeah, if you want. I love yeah. their haircuts so much. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, yeah. And have, I did like they have the they have like they have like a pinkish purplish like color, purple. and then the other side is shaved, and yes. it's and just it feels so, so awesome. nice. Like green stripes. There's like, a little bit of green right yeah. here. Yeah, and the shop no posted posted a picture, and Ellie's comment was like, "I'm oh, jealous." So cute. Ellie's <laughs> like, "I'm jealous of your hair." <laughs> but yeah, thank you. Oh, I like so great. Yeah, I've I've wanted to visit Pakistan for like a decade. Just it's, really it's, someday. It's a beautiful, beautiful country. Yeah. Like just so stunning. Someday. Someday. Yeah. It's um, on the list of like a thousand places I need to visit. Agreed. I know. Pakistan is a priority though. So um and what are some of the challenges that you've faced relating to being Pakistani? Um, I guess, and also dealing with, like, the other aspects of yourself coinciding, like, at the same time. I think what, there's a dual positive and negative in terms of the lack of sexuality conversation, I think, mm-hmm. in Pakistan, to where, because there, that was so absent, right? Like sexuality is just not a part. So like my dressing or behavior or self wasn't for the male gaze to that same degree in the sense of um, I didn't feel that I needed to look sexy to get further. And I feel like that sometimes exists, right? But the negative, infuriating, and I think heartbreaking component of the same lack of conversation about sexuality is um, I did it, it's such a core, like, sexual pleasure, but also just, like, like pleasure in general, right? Or, like, a sense of self in general. Like, that is so critical and I feel is such a human right now. Um, And that conversation didn't exist, right? So this conversation of like individuality and it, like consent and boundaries and a, and a core sense of self right like that was so hard for me to discover because coming it was it's very like at least I was raised in a very obedience sort of environment and compounded by being an immigrant it was this like trying to prove to America that I was a worthy immigrant and then trying to prove to my parents that their sacrifice was worthy and also trying to prove that I was a good Muslim and then a good Pakistani and, and a good like daughter and a, a good everything, right? Um, 
mm-hmm. and, and that performative aspect really made it so hard to realize that like I have a self and that I can deviate from the cultural expectations and trajectory and I wish and it's like it seems so intuitive now but I wish someone had told me that that like I could choose I don't know or that like I could be attracted to people or that I could like live for myself and not for community and so that I think is a negative and I, I noticed that a lot in Pakistani culture where there it's so hard for people to express their own personal preferences because everyone is so nice and knows about everyone else. like it's like I've never asked you what you want right and mm-hmm. and you've never told me what you want because it's not appropriate right mm-hmm. but I'm just gonna guess and do really really nice things for you and like uh-huh. and you're gonna feel so guilty about not falling in love with all the nice things that I do for you but you're yeah. never gonna tell me that you don't like them and so it's this really strange thing where everyone's doing a lot of generous things for everybody else, but nobody actually says what they like or don't like. And oh, it's yeah. really confusing. And so like mm-hmm. I was getting all this stuff when I was in Pakistan, like really nice things, but a lot of the times it's like, I actually don't like it, but I know it's not appropriate to say that I don't like this. Yeah. Like this is not my style or this is not my fashion or I actually am really tired and I want to go home and sleep. Yeah. Or like I don't want this gift and it's whatever. And that individuality is not there. And that has been really hard for me to navigate because the U.S. is so different in that regard. Um, One of the problems with the whole, well, no one told me, is the thing is when you're brought up that way, you don't even, like, even if somebody, like, sat down and said, hey, you don't have to do this. You're going to be totally an individual. It just, it won't, I sort of had that conversation with sexuality with a friend of mine. It did not phase me at all. I was just like, Really? Okay. Just didn't click. Right. Because the culture you're immersed in just does not, you know, give you any cues or language to deal with it. Yeah. And so and so you kind of like buy it. You're so right. Like you buy into the, the Kool-Aid, right, of um, where it, you believe it so much that I remember like I took AP Psychology and I like had this – it was the most bizarre thing, and I can't believe I did this. Like, I had a conversation with my teacher where I asked to be exempt from this chapter and from, like, that test because it went against my religion because it was talking about, like, sex or just, like, male and female anatomy or something, some sort of, like, anatomy thing. Mm-hmm. And and I just, like, was like, this is unethical, and it goes against my religion. And, like, it was – so, like, that exposure – you're right, like had been, I guess could have been there in many ways, but my brain was not there because the the countercurrent or whatever that yeah. was so much stronger. Just wasn't computing yet. Yeah, and it, was like it just clicking. it just so, it just feels so outright bizarre to you, you know? Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like, hey, some like for me the idea that your primary social circles are perhaps outside of your family was a little hard for me to deal with. And sometimes is. Oh, oh yeah. Wait, tell me more. Also, because me too. (laughs) Yeah. Um, (laughs) This is a, one reason we're doing this episode is so, there's a lot of overlap with our Uh, cultures. I meant to say this earlier, but the reason why we have this wonderful person with us, even though they aren't strictly in the purview of Arab, they are very clear. And And, and there's so much overlap. And there's so much overlap. And yes, we get that Pakistanis are not, but we're talking about queer Arabs here. And you know what? I'll give it to her. <laughs> but 
also more so more to the point is sort of the shared experience especially among immigrants to this country we're in america by the way um mm -hmm. you know of sort of going into this you know of sort of, we basically are taken into this sort of evil western influence as everyone's <laughs> yeah. Evil Western There's yeah. a lot of shared experiences, right? And yeah. yeah, for sure. But yeah. yeah, so we're just, we want to have it. Is it can be, mm -hmm. you know, an imperfect discussion? Yeah, but if anyone wants to do better, step the fuck up. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I love how you got defensive and no one's <laughs> criticizing it. No one's criticizing <laughs> Well, maybe you know, it's like preemptive. Like, I'm not I'm not saying I'm yes, Arab. Yes, we we know that <laughs> Pakistan is not Arab. We're doing an over. We're like, you know, intersectionality is a thing. Exactly, yes. and that's like we want to have we want to have people on who have similar experiences as us. So, okay. all right, now yeah. that we've justified you, cool. Yay. <laughs> like a full forty minutes into this thing, <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> not that we had to, but whatever. Okay, so anyway, um. What will the sponsors think? The zero sponsor. Well, Tally, the cat. Our cats are our sponsors. <laughs> she looks fine. She's getting pets. Um, but yeah, like, can you talk about... Um, can you talk about, I, I guess, the progression of you navigating um, and, and kind of starting to understand sexuality in the context that you now understand yeah when did you un unplug from the pakistani matrix oh um well you assume that 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 i have unplugged already or that's a very maybe drastic it's a, statement I i'm feeling dramatic it's a, it's a, it's a work in progress right and, and there's a lot because like rationally i can believe something and then like still find that my gut is connected to the cultural kool-aid right um and so it's constantly navigating and finding that good balance and also like recognizing like what are some good parts of my Pakistani Muslim upbringing that I do maybe want to keep and maybe like the American or Western sexuality notions may not be what is best suited for me, right? And so mm -hmm. like still navigating all of that, I think um, so much happened that it's been like chipping away slowly right and through a lot of work um i think one major thing was i went to live in, in new york city and it was weird how everyone just like talked about sex so casually all the time right like i came downstairs from uh, a class one time and it was nine of my co like colleagues and friends just like talking about their hookups and talking about sex and i was just there like, oh my God, I have never even gone on a date, like come from very arranged marriage culture, right? And I was just like, don't ask me, don't look at me, don't notice that I'm part of the circle. And, but just like being around this environment where there was no sex shaming, there was no, like, there was just comfort, like with like women and their sexualities. And that was, it just blew my mind. And then queerness was so normalized. Like, I don't know if I, and it's weird. Like I, I became friends with all these people and then like all of us like, or they all kept coming out to me or like they, or they were just out. And I was like, how do I only have queer friends? And then I was like, do I know any like cis straight people? And I like, I think my New York City friends, like none of them were so straight, right? Maybe like one. And so just being in that environment where that was so normalized, it made it a lot easier for me to 
um, like put away the cultural judgments and expectations and kind of listen to what my desire was. And that was really hard, I think, because um, I'm such a strangely rational human or like sciencey human. So when I started dating, I, I did like a semester of dating and um, <laughs> this was graduate so like all of my exploration was like way later undergrad yeah. where everyone had like parties and hookups and self-exploration i was mm-hmm. like i'm gonna be the asian student you know yeah. and like get the best grades and do science and i did yeah um and that was that was me and yeah but grad uh grad school yeah mm-hmm. so one of the semesters i dated three men and three women and like just like trying to compare and trying to figure out like what percentage were like uh, as if it was some like um kinsey scale like as if yeah. there was like a percentage um and there was it was so funny like my best friend uh or, or a close friend came out didn't really come out but it was like i remember we were at a pizza place in brooklyn and she was like, I think I might be 15% bi, which whatever the hell that means. But I think like along that spectrum, right? And, and so like yeah. after like a ton of uh, trepidation, trepidation, whatever that word is, mm-hmm. trepidation, um, trepidation yeah. um, I was like, oh, maybe I'm 10%. And then <laughs> just like very casual. You're like, I need to and then, figure this out. Cause yeah. like, because she'd already done so, so it made it a lot easier. And then, like, yeah. over the course of, like, a year or two years, like, my percentage kept increasing more and more and more. <laughs> yeah. And, like, and hers maybe, like, just stayed, know? right? <laughs> and it's fine. Um, yeah. And so all of these things happened. And I think yeah. mixed with um, a lot of my friends kept sharing about their sexual assault stories, like, with me. And I don't know what it was about me, mm-hmm. but, like, I would be the first person they would tell or like yeah. um, one of the few people who would know, and then like reconciling my own sexual assault experiences, mm-hmm. I recognized how important it was to talk about sexuality in general, to yeah. talk about pleasure in general, to talk about um, consent, and to talk about what I wanted or what attraction was in choosing, yeah. and all of that, and so queerness comes into there, right? Like as you start mm-hmm. reconciling all of those things are so interconnected and I and so like yeah. that whole pro- like it, it was all of these different things collapsed together that and a lot of processing yeah Nashaba leads some excellent workshop I, I mean like discussions at the Montrose Center um, related to that I love um, my pussy workshops it's I positive, love it. yeah it's positive understanding of sex sensuality and yourself and it was like yeah. post Trump's like stupid comment about grab oh. them by the pussy and I was like no no that's where it came yeah. from yeah oh and so, awesome uh, yeah. I was like no gonna fix that and yeah. um and just like because it wasn't happening in Houston, right? And like I left yeah. New York City and I was like, I'm gonna take a lot of what I had learned in New York City mm-hmm. and a lot of what I've learned about myself and public health and intersectionality yeah. and do this work here in Houston, right? And in Texas, because it's so important yeah. here. Yeah. Um, and the workshops weren't happening, right? Especially mm-hmm. for um, queer trans folks of color, right? Yeah. Like in centering that environment and unpacking all the shame and stigma of, well, that also comes with like, immigrant experience or Muslim experience or like every single background right Right. and just being able to come in and talk about all of those complexities like whereas sexuality conversations are just like oh like STIs and uh birth control or just say no and that's it like Mm -hmm. that's where it stops right um and not like what happens after you say yes 
Because it's not just a yes. Like, what does that even mean? It's like navigating the whole host of every single thing that goes after the yes, right? Yeah. And, like, we never talk about it, which is weird. So that's the yeah. attempt is to, like, hopefully spark some conversations around that in Houston. And the yes doesn't always mean yes to everything. And Yeah. Like, yeah. And, it's not and the yes, yes can change. Forever. Exactly. Or and it yes can change forever. at any point. Yeah. Right? All of those things. Yeah. So. Everyone has the right to their chosen boundaries. Um, yeah. And it's important to talk about that. Um, and like internally, yeah. is that, what does that yes mean for you? Can you even say yes to what you want? Can you even verbally yeah. say what you actually want? Right? right? Like there's so much in there. So. Yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah. And it's, it's bizarre for, in a lot of our society to assert that kind of thing verbally because what does that say about me yeah right like yeah. so much and and, yeah. and like combating fat phobic culture right and combating mm -hmm. like colorism and combating like um mm -hmm. very cis-centric world and just heterocentric world and mm -hmm. white-centric world and, and all of those different things which puts me at this yeah. like really bizarre intersection yeah and and so like finding that self-worthiness to be able to say yes and to be able yeah. to say what I want right. and then not or like unpack the, the guilt and the shame and the dissociation and the everything that comes with it that mm -hmm. will maybe just be like companions that walk with me like all these like terrible voices that society has put into me as being weird and different and other and terrible in every way like they'll just walk with me and it's it's and learning to just accept them and just still doing what my heart wants oh my voices always say are always telling me to turn down the gay. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. In like yeah. Yeah, it's kind of sadly it's yeah. something that we've been it's, taught outright or even subliminally like or these messages as, we've gotten or just as a survival skill, you know. Right. You're very protective, right? Like a lot of what we get taught cuz I think there's we live in this weird world of like we get, and I do that too, like where I get angry at my voices constantly, but they right. were very adaptive and useful in different ways as protective mechanisms yeah. and they're working really hard, right? And it, right. It, in some bizarre way, and, and I'm still learning to like have compassion for them as they are telling me terrible things about me, right? right? And trying to reconcile like these are external world voices and not like who myself is. And they're protective measures, but we still get mad at ourselves like oh i need to i need to overcome these and yeah. these these voices and get rid of them and that's hard it, yeah it's hard to find that balance of like okay i'm gonna accept that these are part of me and today i'll just feel really and, ugly and that's yeah but good for yeah. me for keeping on going with yeah with my work or, but um, i feel like we also have to talk back sometimes to change the conversation right you know this is the point where I start meeting Flea at the camera we don't have, you know, because <laughs> right. implying the podcast is the conversation we're supposed yeah. to be having. Anyway, to oh, change. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Yeah. So things like this podcast. Um, Queer Voices on KPFT. Yes. Right. Yeah. By the way, Nashava co-hosts Queer Voices. Yeah, which is a lot of fun and I get to bring really cool people in. Awesome. Yeah. So can um, I just say how happy I am you're one of the co-hosts like yeah, that's that's very needed um to have yeah. these conversations right about intersectionality yeah. and queerness is so like queer folks yeah. are not a monolith whatever that means right right like, exactly it, yeah 
it's changing like that we're not, narrative. We're not the we're not all bar hopping, you know, hook up a night type. Cis gay men? What? Yeah. Cis gay white Protestant men? Exactly. What? That's wait, what I thought wait, I wait, was. Really? Others? Like there are, there's the actually mirrors? diversity right? within right? the queer spectrum. You oh mean, my god. Did it? Mine, no, that. You mean there's lesbians who are tall, skinny, and completely successful <laughs> oh or super butch all the time or everything and yeah yeah uh, yeah right because i have never met them apparently but like we joke about this but seriously though right like the first time i met a a queer pakistani muslim uh woman mm-hmm. i think my first thought was queer pakistani muslim women exist and I was like, wait, but I, but I exist. Like, <laughs> yeah. I knew that. I've already, like, I thought I had come to terms with my sexuality. I'd been out to so many people. And, like, but still, like, yeah. because that's not the narrative that we're fed. Exactly. Right? At yeah. all. Yeah. So, like, normalizing this is so critical. Meeting Ellie, I was like, wait, you're, wait, what? queer and Arab? No, there's, there's only, there, there's, there's only no one me. else. There's only me. No, but it was, it was a very new experience for me. Yeah, yeah we learned we're not so special. But we are special. <laughs> but not, but we're being we are the only in good queer company. Arab. That's the better way to put yeah. it. Yes. No, but we did end up meeting like other queer Arabs and uh, queer Desi people and like, just queer minorities in general. It's, it's a, and it's healing each time. It is. I think. Yeah. It, it's very healing. You, you you feel less and less alone. Yeah. And, and we yeah. introduce each other to so much good food. Yes. I know. That's basically the best part. Okay, done. The only reason it's we do really this is like, food. It has obviously. changed my life. Yeah. Done. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> We're only friends because of the food, Nishaba. Yeah. I'm fine with that. I, I don't know. Like, That's a meaningful reason, okay. actually. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh God. So, yeah. If you're comfortable, can you share your your coming out story? Yeah. Awesome. Um, oh, man. Are you ready? I do like so weird ready. shit. Okay. It's good. So, Gesture as wildly embrace, as you need we to. We embrace the weird. <laughs> okay. Oh, man. Um... So, I think, I don't know what it was with me, where, like, I was like, I'm going to make a checklist of things that I need to, like, fix and tell the truths about. Because I think there was just this one point where I was living multiple lives. I really just was, right? And it, and I think it, it sounds so bizarre, but, like, I think I was living three people's lives, right? And, like, mm-hmm. um, so one was Nishaba, which was the, this is going to sound so bonkers, um, but, like, one was Nishaba, which was the, the obedient Pakistani cis straight um, daughter who, would, like, volunteered all the time and went to the religious center all the time and was just perfect and nice mm-hmm. and, like, so caring and, like, who all the teachers loved and all, all the aunties loved, right? Mm-hmm. And then there was... Um, Nushu, who was my like nickname, and that person was who I was with my friends, where I was kind of just like lazy and whatever and whiny and basically a child. Mm-hmm. And like my instead of taking care of people like the way that I did in, as Nushaba, I was just like being taken care of, right? And my friends were just like, yeah, you're just lazy and weird and whiny, and you watch <laughs> Disney all the time. That's weird. Um, oh, I love that. And no, but yeah, my <laughs> friends love my weirdness, and uh-huh. like, and I loved that they got to see that part of me that other people didn't. Right. And then um, Sophie, which is my middle name, was like 
became like my club name or like just like the name that I would use maybe at Starbucks or something and it was the the like I'm super cool and like really um New York City perfect like whatever just really great and I've backpacked everywhere and <laughs> like you will never get to know anything vulnerable about me right it was like the, anyone like if I went yeah. on a date with someone and like I was introduced as Sophie, like I would introduce, introduce myself as Sophie and they got to know nothing about me, but I knew that they would fall for me. Like it was this really manipulative, it was not manipulative, but it was like I would listen and I would respond in the exact way that I knew would be really charming and like just really artificial, but really like elusive person. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why, I, I don't know what had happened, but I had accidentally done this um, and just very inauthentic. And then it it all really just became so overwhelming to navigate all of that. And there was, and I like really, it's like there's no self. I think that like, I just felt like there was no self and I wanted to challenge all of it. So I made a checklist and I was gonna tell my parents everything. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't just like coming out was like the last part of it. And like maybe one of the easiest, right? It was like talking about mental health with my parents, talking about my religious perspectives, talking about drinking with my parents, talking about Mm -hmm. like dating with my parents. talking about not wanting to get arranged married, talking about not wanting to go to medical school. So I did all of those things, right? And like, wow. um, all, all, in like all in like a couple, like a, a span of a couple of months. Okay. And I just, I don't know what was happening there. So my coming out to my mom was the day before I decided to go to a, um, a meditation retreat. It was a 10 day silent retreat with no technology and um, so I was going to be gone for 10 days so I could tell my mom the night before and like have her process it by herself. So that's what I did. Like the night before yeah. my meditation retreat, um, like I had this whole long conversation and I told her that I had been in a relationship and then like the last sentence was her name is and, and then oh. just like dropped it like that. And then, all right, I'm going on this like, retreat. Yeah, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> that, yeah. Yeah. So I yeah that was no I mean sometimes that's the only way you can get it out there it's like yeah if, if you can kind of run away afterwards and kind of let it let things settle that's totally what I to yep. some bombs do need to be dropped yeah, yeah that's what that one was yeah I think a lot of us relate with like compartmentalizing different aspects of ourselves like yeah. the way that you were doing for a while because I think I mean I think that's an definitely experience i i can relate to you know i get and merging all those things is very challenging and scary yeah because you don't know who you're going to lose in the process or um who's going to understand you or um you know like who's going to accept me as me like completely me yeah Uh, concept of unconditional acceptance or unconditional love Mm -hmm. was so foreign mm-hmm. and now so necessary right yeah. it's also why like i have no censors because i'm like mm-hmm. i just at some point like taught myself that i don't know how to lie and like because yeah. I, I know what that feels like so now it's like i've just dismantled how to do that um and now i'm like here are all of my truths you asked i'm sorry you get yeah. all of them uh yeah <laughs> deal with it yeah that's it i'm too much i you love that leave. about you so yeah. much like yeah Thanks. Yeah. Um, so, if you could like, if you could talk to your younger self, what are some of the things you would say to yourself? That's a really difficult question for me. Mm-hmm. Um, would your younger self listen? No, oh, that's another question. No. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to say the same for my younger self. My younger self would not listen to a damn thing I said. Yeah. Yeah. My younger self was trying their best in every way. And yeah. who knows? Um, but I, I wish I could make them believe, like, so much. I wish I could have known that I was lovable. Mm-hmm. That I was beautiful. That I was enough. And that I could write my own life destiny. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I so wish I had known those things because they took so long to make them a part, of, to make that part of my psyche. And like when I recognized that I didn't believe those things about myself, I was so heartbroken for my past self. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, that. That was intense. I, I think yeah. that hits home. That probably hits home for a lot of people. It's home for me. I'm still me trying. I'm still trying to learn to love myself. Still a work in progress for me too. Yeah. yeah, but at least now I can recognize that that's something that I am working on. Right. And before it's like, you know, like your subconscious is just behaving in all these ways that feel insecure or feel like you're trying to fulfill some sort of scarcity, yeah. but you don't really know why you're doing it. And it's because the narrative yeah. is, I want to be loved. Please love me. Please right. love me. And now you Please, can I articulate that. Yes. Yeah. Now I can that's watch that voice and then still choose myself on some days. And that's mm-hmm. that's a miracle. And yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Hills therapy oh. and self self reflection. Yeah. Hills oh therapy. yeah. Get a lot of therapy, <laughs> young self. Done. Oh, Continue yeah. to get a lot of therapy. Yeah. All the time for yourself. That's still something I personally yeah. have a hang up with. I don't know why I have a hang up when it comes to getting therapy for myself. It's, and I still have it. And it's it's frustrating because it, like I, I recognize that I'm like, God, why? Like <laughs> there's nothing wrong with it. I'm just terrified to open up some some Because you don't know like, what might come out of that. Yeah. That is really scary. It is. Get, and yeah. we do live in a mental health shaming culture. So we like, do. I want to validate all of that and still yeah. say get therapy because it's like self-care. Yeah. It's like eating a fruit. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so like, like, everyone, eat your fruits eat and, your fruit. and go see your therapist. That's <laughs> it. Part of... If nothing else, you know, therapy is just like a moment of honesty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we need that because we all lie to ourselves. We lie to everyone. Yeah. And my thing is like, there's some stuff from the past that I'm just like, I don't want to even open that up. I don't yeah. want to because I don't know what that's going to, where that's going to lead me. Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm just going to feel worse after, after opening that stuff. It's okay. like a terrible hang up. And sometimes you feel yeah. worse until you feel, and then you feel better. Yeah. And, you're, and you are in that storm, and you're like, I don't want to go into that storm. I know I'll go into that storm. Yeah. But, I so, can go into yeah. that storm next week. You know, yeah. for. I know. Several years. I've been yeah. putting this off <laughs> for so long. And, and like, yeah. Yeah. And then for those who uh, don't have access to therapy, though, right? Like, um, yeah. there are many other ways in which you can find. Like, there's. Like, yeah. online apps and just like talking to friends or practicing vulnerability mutual vulnerability with friends who you mm-hmm. trust right yeah. or finding other self-care things or reading a lot of books like i know um reading Brene brown books and like mm-hmm. um oh my god harriet Lerner's books or just a lot of psych books i think i when i was trying to like what i labeled uh, quotation marks like fix myself which is not like the the few months where i was like i'm gonna just fix it all myself um make a checklist yeah i literally <laughs> yeah. read like 
like two, three psych books a week. It was intense. <laughs> like I was just like, yeah. I'm going to figure out everything that there is about mental health and do it myself. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and doesn't it work like that? It doesn't. But no, I made but, a lot of progress. Yeah. Know? yeah. I mean, In choppy ways, the fact but, yeah. that you were expo- like exploring, starting to explore those yeah. things is important. That was an important step. I got to understand myself a lot more. So those are options for if you don't have therapy access right. or if you're not there yet talking to a therapist. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. doesn't have to go from zero to like... Therapist. Yeah. Therapist. Zero to complete Why is it so daunting to me? Yeah. I don't know. It's... Ugh. I've talked to Ellie about this culture. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, why... Like, your my folks would say to me, like, why do you need a therapist? Why don't you talk to me? Like, my... <laughs> oh, God. Like, no. my mom. That's who, the problem. Who, <laughs> who, ha- who does have a PhD oh, in a relevant field. She's like... And basically, when she was doing her graduate work, she would do like all the psych and neurological testing stuff for studying on me. <laughs> no, your mom was like PhD junior. <laughs> like no, and you're like the 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 studies that you like, just engaged in was not for. Hey, this is how you address your daughter. Like this was for like on a professional level. That's. That's funny. But it's like, why I mean, do you need like, to see a therapist? Kind of, that's kind of weird. <laughs> no, no, unbiased. That's the point. That's that's why like, I can't see you. Like, it's sweet that she wanted to help, I guess. <laughs> no. But, but, but that's so really not how that not works. Not how it but works. But what can you not tell your mom? Like. Ha <laughs> 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 What? Like a lot of stuff. Why'd you point at me? No, it was like. Oh. With the nose. It's like on the nose. Like, why can't you? What couldn't you oh, tell your mom? Yeah. I'm like, well, what can I tell my mom? Yeah. Right, there's, right. there's, And you have to figure out for yourself, right? And it's like, sometimes, like, what is it? All feelings are valid, but that doesn't necessarily, mm-hmm. and that doesn't mean that you have to act upon them in that way, right? So sometimes, yeah. like, I need to say out loud the really bizarre things that I'm feeling in a mm-hmm. non judgmental space and have that person hold space for me and then be able to, yeah. like, like why do I believe this, right? And it may not be anything that's actually that's not maybe rooted in anything like mm-hmm. what I actually believe. Maybe it's rooted in some trauma or something else, and and it may actually cause more harm if I say it yeah. to a loved one, right? Like without having to process it. So right. it's just like creating space to be able to do that with someone, so then you can actually use your feelings to act in ways that are loving towards your loved ones. I don't Good know if that point. makes sense. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, if you if you don't have an outlet for the negative, you're going to basically let it all out on those in closest proximity to you. Yeah. It's not. It's not pretty. Yeah. You, you need like some open space to drop those bombs that must be dropped. Yeah. yeah. Without feeling the immediate repercussions of them in the way that you would with loved ones, right? Yeah. yeah. Is there a reason you looked at me when you said that? No. Okay. Good. I hope I haven't been doing that to you. I just noticed and you I, really I, looked at me. I, I was kind of hoping to provoke a reaction, but... You got it. But, Hint taken, Ellie. No. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just, just casually. A little kidding. A little serious. I'm just going to pet the cat now. Yeah. And, um, oh my gosh. So... I guess we're like about out of time, aren't we? We have time limits. Like hour. So um. Name game or word game? Oh, noun, noun game. game. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. What is this one? Okay, so just okay. pick any three nouns at all. Any random nouns. Three nouns. Anything. Oh Could be God. like cat, rug, uh, whatever. 
butterfly mm-hmm. underpants <laughs> um, eyebrow. Nice. All right, so I'm going to ask you, well, Ellie and I will ask you three questions based on those now, so... No, man! Okay. Yeah. Fine. Okay, um... (laughs) Let's see. If you could experience being a butterfly for an hour, would you do it? Oh, hell yes. They're absolutely stunning. I'd go stand on all the people who are scared of me, because I used to be scared of butterflies, and it's like the reactions are hilarious. (laughs) Like, I'm just going to bug the hell out of you because I'm a bug for I'm a little bit. Bug huh. you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> nice. That's it. Okay, Ellie. Uh, <laughs> underpants. Ask something. Underpants. <laughs> I'm sorry. I love it. Uh, let's just go full Japan with this one. What color? Oh, man. All the pastels. And, like, super granny pennies. Like, that's my style with holes. Hell, yeah. Because that's comfy. And, like, I'm yeah. cheap. So, <laughs> that, yep. Yeah. I'm not, I'm personally not about the butt floss under. Yeah, that's yeah. What I is can't the deal? Do it. That's not practical. I don't get it. I don't want I'm to like, feel something I, out there all no. the time. I, I'm yeah. pretty much like, like all the time. To, that's the critical part. <laughs> right. I'm like, go to Victoria's Secret, like pick up twenty and like wear them to like, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Next noun. <laughs> All the time was the, <laughs> the key <laughs> phrase. <laughs> we don't want to feel it up there. And all you the, all the time. It's the yeah, keyword. Anyway, um, next. Anyway, so okay. eyebrow. <laughs> Who in this room has the best eyebrow? Uh, oh, oh man. I okay, think... but like my eyebrow game is great. I yeah, don't know. I think Nishaba like, wins this one. Stop doing the. Th- I was like stop yeah. doing the threading and the waxing and all the like painful torture to my face that I did for years and like they look amazing gorgeous thank I you love how they're they're just yeah they're or, like taking over my face symmetrical yeah. just... but your eyebrow game is also great like y'all just eyebrows are awesome eyebrows so yeah I think eyebrows serve a great purpose they keep things like I guess sweat they're supposed out of to my keep eyes yeah. our eyes so I appreciate, I appreciate being able to see without yes. sweat in my eyes yes and they also or add, other debris they add excellent nuance to facial expressions oh, they like, do read yes. I'm not very they good at those I have to like look in the mirror and kind of try but like people can do that like without looking in the mirror I like, wish I could eyebrow at raise a time. one eyebrow that's just, that's just, just skill the just, rock you know, is, that, is that, that, was his, that was his thing. He raised oh, okay. the one eyebrow. Yeah, yeah. I like can't do that. I I've always tried. I want some like cool features that I like, like talent yeah. show things. Like I can do this with my tongue. Yeah. Or like, I'm I like can triple do this with my jointed. Eye. I'm like, I don't, yeah. I, I do nothing. I just, I, I look nice. I don't know. <laughs> I have no like weird <laughs> good bodily style. Does that Darling. count? Show at a talent show. Yeah. Darling, what? You literally can climb up a rope and dance on ropes. Hell that, yes. Well. Okay, you yeah, can totally do that in a talent show. I cannot. <laughs> like, I'm can't sing, can't dance. <laughs> like, can't, can't do weird body things. I'm working on it. And that's awesome. It's a work in progress. I want to see that. I'll show you. Okay, yeah. that sounds awesome. <laughs> and, um, oh, yeah, that, that was all the nouns. So, um, Unless yeah. Unless who wants to hit us with them. <laughs> so if people want to, like, find you, like, give feedback or ask you any questions, should they just direct the questions to us or do you want to give them any contact information? Um, it's up to you. Totally up. Yeah. Um, 
in terms of workshops and things yeah. like LHI Houston, like that's where I post everything. Awesome. So like on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, um, and that like I'm the main person who does stuff on there. Yeah. And on a sisters uh, in Montreal Center, like I'm super easy to get in contact there. Um, my email, like if you're looking for any sort of like queer services, is lgbtqhealth at mantracenter.org. lgbtqhealth at mantracenter.org. Perfect. Um, so those are good mediums. Excellent. Thank you. Um, and to contact the Queer Arabs, um, you can email us at thequeerarabs at gmail.com. You can go to our website, thequeerarabs.com. And we're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Guess what? The queer Arabs. We're so <laughs> unique. We're so creative. So anyway, at it least it's easy awesome. to find it's us. excellent branding on our part. Yes. Yep. It's very consistent. Did you say the queer Arabs? Yeah. What? Really? Yeah, I, I know. I must have missed it. Thanks for confirming. Yeah. Um, <laughs> In case you missed what this podcast well, is. you know, at least we're not the real queer Arabs. Like, you know. <laughs> some, some oh, like the real. Savage. Yeah. Like, the real Dan real. Savage. Oh, my gosh. Oh. Because someone took Dan Savage. Yeah, because there's only one Dan Savage in the world. Well, because I think someone took Dan Savage on Twitter. (laughs) So he was like, well, I'm going to call myself. No, he called himself fake Dan Savage to be funny. Oh, that's what it was. Well, there's also that other Dan Savage who's like the political, the conservative political commentator. Yes. Oh, Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That asshole. Yeah. Yeah. So he called himself fake Dan Savage. That's (laughs) great. The podcast person. So, um, anyway. Also, hi, Dan. Hey, Dan, because I know you're listening. And Ira Glass, obviously, is listening. Oh, my God. Ira Glass. <laughs> Whatever you want to talk about, give us, send us a line. We love you. <laughs> They're clearly taking time out of their day to listen to our podcast. We are having a great conversation. No, I mean, yeah. if they don't listen to this, they're missing out. It's their life. Especially That's what missing I'm out saying. on this episode. This is a really fun episode. Thanks. So anyway, thank you so much for coming on, Michelle. Yeah, so thank you for having me. Wonderful. This is really you are great. an absolute delight. Oh, thank you. You're sweet. <laughs> you are awesome. No, seriously, ever. you are thank you. amazing. So, yeah. all right. Thank you all for tuning in. We will see you next week. Mm-hmm.